Hello and welcome back to Blame It on the Altitude. Um, my sweet, sweet Allison is not here with us today, but we do have a special, special guest. Um, and I'm going to have her introduce herself and a little bit about who she is. So, uh, I'm Terry Craig. I've lived up here since 1978. Um, I was married to Bob Craig, who has passed away, and I had the Hibbard McGrath Gallery in Breckenridge with Martha Hibbard for 30 years. But when I moved here in 1978, it was a happen chance <laughs> job at Ski Tip Ranch, which was owned by the Durkham family and managed by Jim Brown. And I taught uh, at the Keystone Science School. I had to take an oh, avalanche course with some other old timers, <laughs> Bob French, who was up here for years, and Bob Kluge, and John Gunson. And then in that summer of 79, I taught full time at the Keystone Science School. So cool. And a cool thing about me and Terry is we both taught at the Keystone Science <laughs> School. Hey! <laughs> Although I was in 2009, so it was just a, you know, just a mere... 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. It's great. Um, okay, Terry. So, what brought you to Summit County? Well, um, after graduating from the University of Missouri with a geography degree, I had taught environmental education in uh, at the Colorado Outdoor Education Center in Florissant, Colorado, and spent the winter in Jackson Hole. And then I had friends who were in Vermont so I was and my sister was was in Vermont at the time and so I moved to Stowe and worked and taught at the Kewaden Environmental Education Center awesome. in central cool. uh, Vermont. Um, I came back to to Colorado after some t three years in Vermont and a winter in, in climbing in Columbia then um, I was going to reestablish my Colorado residency and go to graduate school in Boulder. But oh, yeah. Scope got, <laughs> <laughs> But got a call for a job at uh, Ski Tip Ranch. They needed someone for the winter. And my friends in Boulder. Was Ski Tip how it is now? Like, was it like exactly same kind of like? Architecturally? Or just like, yes. it, was it a restaurant and? The... It was, back then, it was, uh, people would stay there and they were served dinner, one one menu per night. Uh, and uh, so people stayed there. A lot of the rooms were set up as suites, so mm -hmm. families would come. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people had come uh, when the Durkhams first opened it in the late 40s after mm -hmm. a basin was built. Uh, actually, Edna's story was that the um, all the workers would, would building a basin would stay at Ski Tip and, and Edna got thrown into cooking, which wasn't her favorite thing. <laughs> but then after the ski area opened, all the guys kept coming back. <laughs> so she started... <laughs> Charging them. Good. Smart. Although uh, back then, the Snake River Saloon and the old Dillon Inn, uh, if Edna wasn't ready to cook dinner, uh, they just all went out. <laughs> Special. <laughs> and so that carried over to some of the other guests. If they only had five or six guests, they would 
we'll just take him to the snake or to the old oh, Dylan Inn. Oh, that's hilarious. So, okay, so that would happen, like, maybe a couple times a week or, like, just randomly or? Oh, a, 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 well. Or maybe she just didn't it, it cook wasn't, that much. It wasn't that way when I was there. Yeah. When I was there, we had we had a cooking staff and a full kitchen. We did uh, one, um, one meal for dinner mm-hmm. and one meal for, for breakfast. And so breakfast was early because people, I mean, Max was teaching skiing and Edna was teaching skiing. So the tradition was that you got up early, you went skiing, <laughs> and then you, you came back after the ski area closed. Dang. So no one was there during the day. During the day. So did people, um, so like, were you only allowed to eat there if you stayed there at the time? Uh, when I started working there in 78, uh, it had changed a little bit because they had hired a manager, Jim Brown. So there were, you could make reservations for the second seating. Mm-hmm. And they had a famous uh, prime rib night. Mm. Uh, and um, so a lot of, of uh, locals would come for, for dinner, but they had to have the second seating. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and then there were only, so the dining room would seat 55, I think. Uh, so it, it just depended on how full ski tip was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back then people made their reservations early. So like in March of the winter before they made wow. their reservation and made their deposit, Dang. which, you know, this was before the internet. Yeah. So we had that money to open. We knew how many people, what ages, mm-hmm. what, what we needed for the week, how much staff we needed, how much food we needed. You could plan ahead, which I don't envy the restaurants and hotels today. Yeah. You know, you have no snow, you have no customers, you yeah. get powder, and you're overloaded. Yeah. And so I think it's very hard to staff and to uh, yeah. take care of, of a restaurant today. So yeah. it was a small restaurant, but it was it was really good. Who uh, was, like, the coolest person you met at Ski Tip? Bob Craig. Oh, Bob Craig. <laughs> The legend. Is that how you guys met? Uh, yes, we met at Ski Tip. My Stop. sister introduced us. Oh my gosh. In the bar Tell in front more. of Rolf Durkham's painting. Oh my gosh. He had just finished his book, Storm and Sorrow, and was, uh, and and my sister had taught cross country skiing at Ski Tip the winter before, so mm-hmm. she knew everyone. And uh, the season would, oh, I mean, the Ski tip would open on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the week before Thanksgiving, uh, it was a, um, a a valley party. I mean, Peter Witter and his family, he was a local architect, mm-hmm. uh, lived close by, the Durkham family, and, and people who, who knew uh, the Durkhams and knew ski tip. And mm-hmm. we would have a, a big dinner and... Uh, and kind of pre-party before Ski Tip opened. Mm-hmm. And um, I had just moved up here, and uh, my sister and I were talking in the bar, and around the corner she said, well, there's Bob Craig. He's going to come over and introduce himself and tell you that he just finished writing a book. And I said, oh, yeah, nobody's... <laughs> well, over comes Bob Craig, and hi, Molly. How are you doing? Oh, and, oh, this is your sister Terry. Well, I'm Bob Craig, and I just finished oh, writing a book. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, 
So that's when you fell in love, is what you're telling me. Oh, well, it was certainly intriguing. <laughs> yeah, you were like, this predictable man. Well, the the, the winter before, uh, before, I had um, spent a winter climbing in, in Colombia. So we talked oh. about climbing and oh stuff gosh, a little bit. That's so amazing. So that's how we, how you met. How we, how we mm. met. Love it. Um, and uh, did like I was trying to think. Did, who I, was gonna I mean, say... Howard had, Howard and Marty Head. Oh, Howard Head uh, were friends of Max and Edna Durkin. Okay, and uh, and so they, uh, they were when they came out to Vail, they would always come over and have dinner with Max and Edna. Oh my and, gosh! Um, were you really good friends with Max and Edna? Or like well, they were they they were they were around. I house sat for them one. Uh, uh, part of a summer when mm-hmm. they were traveling and mm-hmm. I was uh, uh, here in, in Summit County. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Durkham family uh, is is a wonderfully friendly family and uh, uh, they're, they're very, they're very private too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but very generous. Yeah. So uh, I really... I, I do consider them friends, but we don't see each other all the time. Yeah. Everyone goes in all directions. Right, welcome to life. Welcome to life. <laughs> but they were uh, in, incredible people. Yeah. I mean, Max and Edna were, um, had an amazing vision, and uh, they just, I mean, they loved skiing mm-hmm. and the whole I- idea of skiing. And, yeah. um, and so that was always fun to be around, and it was it was delightful to ski with them. I mean, Edna, I mean, if you skied with them, you would meet at the lift, mm-hmm. and Edna would need to be first. <laughs> Go queen! <laughs> That's awesome. So they were they were beautiful skiers, and yeah. in their in their kids and family, you could see that that Max had taught them how to ski and their style of skiing and yeah. just complete control, but enjoyment of speed too that's awesome <gasps> so that. that was so that okay was so after ski tip you where'd you live when you were working at ski tip well um that was the thing when people talk about employee housing today is is ski tip had housing for their oh. for their staff so above Dream. what is the kitchen mm-hmm. today there were you know they was rustic <laughs> <laughs> to be sure and you didn't need a lot of things and yeah. they didn't want you to bring a lot of things you weren't supposed to settle in you were just supposed to stay for right a couple months the season yeah. and uh but you had a, a a place to live and they so room and board was included in your uh job oh my gosh that's awesome well so, that's nice which was was really nice and um uh you know i mean the idea i mean it was there weren't as many people around then, not as many businesses. So many of the businesses uh, had places for their workers to live mm-hmm. because there wasn't a real summer business mm-hmm. in in Summit County. A lot yeah. of things closed for for the until the next ski season. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it was pretty important to have housing for your staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although people crowded in. Couch, I mean, couch surfed mm-hmm. wherever. Yeah, awesome. Uh, but but ski tip did provide housing and um, and a ski pass. Okay, that's 
well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that part was nice. Where did you ski the most when you were at ski, or like when you first moved here? Well, it was always between Keystone and, and A Basin. Yeah. My family had lived in Denver for a while when I was uh, in junior high and high school. And so skiing at A Basin, um, I had learned to ski at Crested Butte and okay. Wolf Creek, but skiing at A Basin was, uh, well, this is how, how old it was, was. My father sat us down one time before ski season and um, ski ski passes went up to $5 at A Basin, so we wouldn't be skiing as much. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so, insane. So what I would dream for a $5 pass now. <laughs> so How much was, was Keystone, like the same then? Well, Keystone didn't open until 1970. Okay. So in, in 1970, I have to say, I don't know what... Yeah, what it was. What it was, but, yeah. you know, seniors could ski free at that point. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, at at Keystone and at um, A Basin. I think one of the, the best things that Bob Maynard did was, for a couple of years, he had... Uh, Keystone had a uh, a pass for 20 days. Oh. Uh, which was really reasonable. And if you lived up, if you were working mm-hmm. and you got in 20 days, that yeah. was a pretty good ski season. Yeah, totally. So it was, uh, I mean, at Keystone, I mean, then you went up to the basin or wherever right, else, right. but for Keystone to have 20 days mm-hmm. uh, was was really reasonable. Yeah. Uh, you know, then the ski area knew that these people were only going to ski 20 days. Yeah. <laughs> not 100. Yeah. And, uh and you knew that you could get on the mountain anytime. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but that was short lived. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of changes, but you know, it was, Keystone and Summit County were very special. With, yeah. Uh, you know the the people who moved here on my on my refrigerator, I have uh, unfortunately some recent uh, obituaries of people. Mm. Who I mean, Judy Gervin, her mother started uh, the Bay Street Company in Breckenridge, Dodie oh, yeah. Bingham, and Judy was on the Breckenridge Town Council, mm-hmm. and and uh, I mean the the music performing tent mm-hmm. tent area mm-hmm. was really her. Uh, she worked hard on that. Nice. And um, May Jones had started uh, Wilderness Sports with her husband mm-hmm. Tom Jones. And Gail Colbreth, mm-hmm. part of the Colbreth ranching family. Oh, yeah. But she and her her husband had been in the Air Force, Grady, and uh, right. so they had they had lived all over. But just uh, gracious, wonderful, yeah, people. And uh, Linda McMinnemy, her husband Bernie, had been a mayor in Breckenridge. But she was, you know, if you couldn't identify a bird or a wildflower and they had the near new, which was the, the kind of thrift store mm-hmm. at that, mm-hmm. at that time. That's crazy. Um, so it was, you know, there were, um, it was an area where where women were very uh, involved mm-hmm. in the community yeah. and active and curious and. Which we love. We just love to see it. Oh, it, it, well, I love to see it today. Yeah. And, and you know, like people of your generation, and mm-hmm. you know the the young people, 
you know, you know it's not what it was when we were your age, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. Right. But your curiosity and energy and and insights uh, are really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I served on the school board for one term, and uh, and I, I really enjoyed it, and I felt like we got things done. Mm-hmm. But it became evident to me that I was too old, old. <laughs> Because no. you needed you needed people who who um. Terry, you're not too old. Just for well, the, for the record. Well, thank you. <laughs> but at seventy one, I'm getting there. <laughs> but the um, you know, people who uh. I mean, the the world has has changed, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's good. It's always going to change. Yeah. And the you can't. I, I don't think we should try to stop it or you should do what I want because it has history behind it. Yeah. I need to be curious about what's coming up. And the kids in school need that um, communication with the, the school board and someone closer to their age. Yeah, I agree. With uh, that. And uh, I mean, you, you need a variety of ages, totally. but we had. It, it's so easy, as we see in, in the Congress, Senate, and, and our leaders today. Oh, yeah. um, Fresh blood. <laughs> well, you, and you have to let them make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You have to let them learn how to lead. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know, you know how to lead. You've led. You need to let the, the right. next generation no, I totally agree. participate in yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and and I think that in in a lot of sectors has on one of my episodes uh, with my friend Allison we talked about I think there mm-hmm. should be an age cap, like you know like well I just am like at some point you know go live your life you don't need to run the country or like <laughs> well I think there needs to be a way to encourage younger people to learn how to lead yes not in removing leaders. They mm-hmm. should be there to, I mean, they could be there to uh, to give some insight, mm-hmm. but they shouldn't be the process. They shouldn't no, yeah. be the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you have to, um, uh, and I, th- I think, I, I did serve 12 years on the Sneak River Planning Commission and and that was and that was good, mm-hmm. and I. But I think what I learned most from that was. We weren't bringing in people, to learn about land planning and, mm-hmm. uh, you know the specifics of creating a a community and mm-hmm. what's needed, as far as electricity and water and right. and those things. Right in a in a real sense yeah. and so you have to create a way for younger people younger people who want to be leaders right. and can be leaders to participate and gain the confidence and the uh uh expertise no i 100 percent um, agree to lead yeah. and I, I i think it's the hardest thing to do yeah and my that's generation, we're like, mm, no politics, no thank you. <laughs> well, that's yeah. I mean, and and that's because my generation and the generation 
before me uh, created that sense. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you can't do this. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, and, I, and I think that's wrong. Yeah. I think everyone of, of my generation should be encouraging right. uh, the curiosity and, and the confidence to yeah. lead. And, you know, politics is such a, uh undefined word at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have to be able to govern. People need to understand government. And I think that's one of the hardest things now is there are people who are trying to be political, but they have no idea how to lead and they don't mm-hmm. understand uh, how, how to govern. Mm-hmm. Trump. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, did I hear that? Oh, sorry. It's okay, our listeners know we are a liberal on this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you're not wrong about any of that. So I agree. Well, I mean, let's you... figure out how to, let's just come up with world solutions, you know? World solutions? Oh, wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Well, you know, that was one of the things of, you know, you lived, you didn't get television then. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you had conversations. Mm-hmm. You talked face to face. You talked about problems, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and trying to come up with with solutions. Yeah. And um, you know, back then, as I say, is a lot of times we finished each other's sentences because we all thought alike. Yeah. And that's that's not true today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we haven't always found a way to. Uh, talk face to face yeah 100% and uh, oh, we're the we're most not, divided we've ever been right yeah, now yeah we're, we're not going to come up with the same solution but mm-hmm. can we figure out what needs to work mm-hmm. and get it to work yeah we don't all have to have the same idea of how mm-hmm. to how to make it work yeah um, for sure for sure yeah. oh. Oh, well, that's much too serious. So now we have to do a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have a funny story? I have a funny story. Okay, I have a picture right in front okay, of us. Great. When I well, worked at, at Ski Tip Ranch, the manager was Jim Brown, who had been a policeman in Denver, and then he worked for Keystone and worked for worked at the ski area when it opened in mm-hmm. the 70s. And by 78, he was the manager at Ski Tip Ranch. Okay. And... Uh, so some people might call him irascible, but he was, you know, kind of the, the, the curmudgeon with a, a soft heart, but had certain things that were important. And, you know, the history of ski tip and skiing were important. And at that point in 78, Montezuma Road was a gravel road, mm-hmm. which sometimes people would think it was a cross-country ski trail. Well, at what point was it considered Montezuma Road? Like all the way... Like, right at the end of, like, this... Well, when it came off of Highway 6. Oh, right there. Okay. Right there. Yeah. Highway 6 to the town of Montezuma. Dang. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Um, You know, there wasn't that interchange. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. Par- I mean, the gondola wasn't there. Uh, and the parking lot yeah. wasn't there. There were there were homes. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that was... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when you, when you drive down Montezuma now... And then you hit that where the that berm. Yep. It used to go straight, oh. and then you would, uh, you would be on that uh, 
uh, road that goes to the old base and okay. then out to Highway Six. Yep. That was the that was. Why the did road. they make the berm? Do you know? Because they made the parking lot. Ah, uh, duh. <laughs> duh. Okay. Yes. Go on. Go on. <laughs> well, there's lots of stories about the berm, but right. But uh, Jim Brown was very upset because the county commissioners were talking about. The county was it's a county road. Montezuma's a county road, and they were talking about paving it. Oh, uh, there were people in Montezuma who, at that point, wanted more recognition within the the county, and they yeah. wanted the road plowed or paved. Yeah, for plowing and yeah, and that. stuff. And Jim Brown wanted it to stay a gravel road. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had worked at Ski Tip during the winter and part time at the science school, and then in the summer, I worked at the at the science school and we had taken uh, a day trip up to St. John to talk about the mine and the mill right. and to hike and right. stuff and so uh, we'd gone up, Mon- up Montezuma Road and mm-hmm. to St. John and mm-hmm. had our, our our lunch and our history <laughs> lesson and our geology yeah. lesson all and, and all that and then we, we came down and when we got to Ski Tip there were these boulders these glacial erratics were in the road so that you had to do it it was like a slalom course so uh so we 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 did see jim brown and so we stopped and the sheriff was there and uh you know it it caused quite a stir uh with the the slalom course and the rocks Mm -hmm. the rocks in the road Mm-hmm. And people were beginning to to gather then. Yeah. And uh, Jim Brown was in his glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his bandana on, and Fred Schroeder had been, Schroeder Dirtworks had been doing a working on the leach field at Ski Tip, mm-hmm. and had left some of their equipment there. And and Jim had asked Fred, Is it, you know, can I uh, borrow your machinery while it's here to do a little work? And and Fred said. As long as you don't get me in trouble. <laughs> so, so Jim moved the rocks into Montezuma Road, and and all the cars had to. Oh my God! Do the slalom so turns. Those giant boulders are the ones he the moved. The giant giant boulders. There was no. Dang. Yeah. This and so those have been there since, pretty much, right? Been in in the road. Well, the ones he moved, because oh no, like... they were in the center of the road. Oh. It was not decoration. <laughs> okay, <gotcha>. <laughs> <laughs> it was directional. Gotcha. 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 So all the cars had to not go. I mean, the speed limit's thirty miles yeah. an hour on yeah. Montezuma Road, but that's very right loosely followed. Right. And so uh, when it was gravel, people still went fast, and Jim Brown thought that perhaps they were going too fast. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, Put the rocks in the road. There must have been a half dozen rocks that went the the length of ski tip uh, property, and uh, so by the time we got there, Fred Schroeder was there, and the sheriff, and Peter Witter, and a lot of it. It it had been communicated. <laughs> so while we, you know, it's a big change yeah. to come down from the mountains and have have the road totally changed. Yeah, right. Sheepers, <laughs> creepers. Oh my god. 
So he was pretty famous for a while. He did have to move the rocks off to the side of the yeah, I was gonna say. road eventually, okay. but he made his... And those are the... Because those rocks are still out there right now, right? Or Yeah, they're off yeah. to the side. Yeah, yeah, now they're off to the side. Or they're in our yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you have like three or four in your yard. <laughs> so. so this photo of him, he's like in a... Tr- he's um, in a tractor with a jean shirt on and a bandana... And then it looks like he's wearing, is he wearing sandals? He's wearing sandals and old, you can see the corduroy pants were, you know, had been worn quite a a bit. And so that's kind of the way people dress up here now anyway. Well, if that's true, did he wear sandals like year round, like whenever he did construction? Well, he was, uh, he was a sailor Mm -hmm. and uh, he had a sailboat that he worked on the, he was a woodworker. And so the sailboat was here in the winter, and then in the spring he'd go down to uh, to Cabo, to Mexico, oh, and and sail. Good for him. And so he got used to sandals gotcha. down there. So you could wear sandals in the summer. This was yeah. probably uh, in August. Okay. Up here. Okay. Yeah, I was like, so, I mean, I'm still wearing mm-hmm. sandals right now. September, well, a lot so. of a lot of people wear sandals year-round anymore yeah yeah. weirdos it's fine you know snow plowing was not quite the same back then as now yeah it was was tough to wear sandals in the winter up here (laughs) yeah (laughs) now you have driveways and roads and a little bit better things are plowed and shoveled and stuff and so some people wear sandals in the winter but (laughs) back then it was pretty snowy um (laughs) how many years were you at keystone science school for Let's see, 79, 80, uh, then, uh, you were just an instructor, right? Like, or a field instructor or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we all lived on campus in yeah. the old cabins. Which cabin did you live in? Well, I lived in two of them. There was one long, I mean, Soda Ridge Road mm-hmm. used to go through, uh, the middle of the, what's the campus oh, now. Oh, really? Okay. Soda Ridge Road was, was gravel at that point too. Went and uh, so it went all the way to uh, Key West Farms and okay. and Summit Cove. So the school buses would uh, would come. Would people used it so they didn't have to deal with the traffic on right. six Ave, six mm-hmm. uh, uh, the highway mm-hmm. because six highway six was only two lanes back then. Oh, asphalt, Slow. no <laughs> no shoulder. Sweet. <laughs> and so it was a very dangerous road. Yeah. So, uh, so the school buses would would they'd come up and then they'd go back on Highway Six. Gotcha. Okay. Especially during ski season, mm-hmm. uh, in the morning yeah. when uh, traffic was was backed up. Yeah. Uh, so so there's a there was a, a long cabin that went this that. The very entrance of campus. Uh. No, the the entrance of campus where it is now, there were three small cabins. Okay. And we worked on restoring those. That's okay. I'd done some cabin restoration when I was uh, at the Colorado Outdoor Education Center and uh, worked on a cabin in Vermont. So we uh, we made one of those livable. The other two we could we could clear out and use them for teaching space. Mm-hmm. And then there was um uh what we called the White House. I'm not sure what they call it now. I think it's called Levy now. Uh, like the actual like, oh, two-story oh. house? The two-story yeah. house, yeah. yeah. The White yeah. House. Oh, yeah. man. And that's Scary. where the, the railroad used to come to the town of Keystone. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
they would bring lumber, mostly okay. lumber there out of Keystone Gulch mm-hmm. and around, mm-hmm. uh, and and some uh, minerals from from Montezuma, and the train would turn around there. So the meadow there okay. was you could find you could see where they it had been right. a a turnaround. The tracks yeah. were taken up for metal in World War One, uh, and uh, so. So there's so the White House was where the cook lived, and that was their kitchen. Okay. And across the river was where he had his cabbage patch, because that's one oh. thing you could grow up here. Yeah. Uh, and that's he uh, he was a Chinese railroad worker who had stayed here, and grown cabbage and been the cook. Damn. Uh, at some time. Yeah. So it was it was the White House, and then, uh, then they moved the Alhambra cabin used to be a. a uh, just a quarter mile past Ski Tip okay, on yep. Montezuma Road, owned yep. by the the Bergman family, yep. and then uh, there's a cabin that faces like east west. Oh, yep, 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 yep. And I and I lived in there. Nice. And then um, uh, there's a cabin that's closer to the river. Mm-hmm. They used to have a little white picket fence around it. And, oh, cute. Uh, but but closer to the river. So I lived in, in those two cabins. Oh my gosh, fun. And, and then, you were dating Bob at the time, right? Well, we skied, we dated some. And then when I was teaching at the science school, we thought that, you know, dating your yeah. boss is probably not the, <laughs> the boss dating. So we... You kept it. Did you have a secret relationship? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Um, so we, we, we kind of did other things for... Mm-hmm. Uh, well... Uh, my sister was married in at Ski Tip in 1983 when Bob was on Everest, and uh, so he didn't make it to the wedding. But when he came back, then Marty Hibbert and I opened the gallery in the cabin at Ski Tip in '82, and so Bob and I started dating in '83. Love it. So it's a blossoming romance. <laughs> I love it. And then this house became available, and he bought it in '85. Okay, for just probably. Well, he'd nothing. had he'd had a small house that uh, had been built for Max and Edna Durkham mm-hmm. uh, that was on the west side of the Ski Tip property. Okay, and so there 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 are condos there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Keystone had Keystone bought the twenty seven acres there, and. Uh, is they this... were close to selling that house to Bob, but they really wanted condos. And then this house became available, Is... and he, he moved next door. So his staff basically <laughs> brought wheelbarrows and <laughs> moved everything next door. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is this the only house on like this road that's not occupied by Keystone? Well, the house next door, uh, Karen yeah. Hensey. And her raised her her family there. Okay. Uh, her uh, mother was Edna Durkham's sister. Oh. So Max and Edna smart. were her her aunt and uncle. Okay. okay. Uh, but like besides these two, everything else is like Keystone well, property owned. Well, it is. Well, there's the condos down here. Yeah. And that's it. Dundee bought that, but then yeah. they're sold. And next to part of that is Thackwells. Okay. Were another uh, family that had a house there. Okay. That are are part of that down there. Uh, the house with the red roof mm-hmm. uh, didn't always have a red roof. Mm. <laughs> was built by an architect, uh, Peter Witter, 
and he was one of the early architects for um, for for Keystone. Okay, was he? Um, they came from California, and they they moved back to Healdsburg, okay, California. Damn. But their uh, their son Joel Witter and Ian Witter are and their families are in Denver, but come up here, and Ian has a house. Oh, nice. With his family. And then their daughter lives in San Francisco. Okay. But they, they come back. They have a lot of... That's I mean, the good. kids grew grew up here. Okay. Nice. Uh, um, I, I kind of laughed. Uh, we hired Ian as a, a dishwasher. When, well, mm-hmm. after I was at the science school, they invited me to be the assistant manager at Ski Tip. And then Jim Brown decided to sail around the world. And I became the manager at Ski Let's Tip for you. <laughs> and so Ian was one of our temporary call at the last minute dishwashers, mm-hmm. but he worked for us for the summer. And one of the projects that he wanted to do was to build a stone walkway from Ski Tip down to the tennis courts. Oh, okay. And he worked so hard on that and it was just beautiful and there are sections of it that are still, still there, there. Okay. I kind of chuckle <laughs> uh, so so it was a, a spread out neighborhood mm-hmm. but um, the the Paulson family who has a house mm-hmm. they, they always had that house there yeah uh, so it was a uh, you know and then the Durkhams were up at boss mine about three miles up yeah. uh, and the Wood family had the cabin, which is by the gondola now. Um, so it was spread out, yeah. but there were there were people yeah. around. Jean yeah. and Ina Gillis had one of the little but houses. But, like, now there. it's just not, I mean, it's just all built up at this point, right? Most of it is. Yeah. We had a, we used to have a bell at Ski Tip. Um, so when we had... Uh, like especially during the off season because mm-hmm. it was the biggest kitchen we would have gatherings and so we'd just ring the bell and so everybody in the neighborhood would oh come my God, that's awesome <laughs> because it was so quiet yeah yeah you could you could hear it you know down to where the the gondola is now wow that's crazy because there was it well, was no it was cars, quiet right? and and you know it's a narrow valley yeah yeah and we had usually seen them earlier in the yeah. in the day. It was yeah. really kind of an, a reminder. Yeah, 100%. That's so awesome. Okay, so after your time at science school, which you had, did you have, you had a good time at science school? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frankie Barker had been the, we had, you know, it was much smaller then. Yeah, oh yeah. We had, uh, you know, the, the brown house, Mm-hmm. The the square cut log house uh, was moved from Dillon. Okay, it was a, a I believe a Swedish guy who had built, but they're square cut logs. Okay, uh, so that was our our kitchen, our dining room, uh, our upstairs is where we rented out or gave yeah. tried on um, cross country boots. Yeah, and the kind of our the instructor library. We had classes in there. It was it kind of it was. Pretty much everything. So we had yeah. Smitty was the cook, and actually Smitty. he was Steve Smith. He was from St. Louis, and I'd actually known him in in college at the University of Missouri. That's it a was, small world. It was a small world. It was very funny because he was one of the funniest people. Well, with a name like Smitty, I'd, I'd hope you are uh, someone. There, there are a bunch of Smitty stories, mm-hmm. uh, 
and Tim Criswell was from California, was an instructor. Frankie Barker, who um, has headed the environmental education program for the Anchorage schools, mm-hmm. was there. Um, Marshall McKinney was there. And then, then we'd have an, an intern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were five or six employees. Yeah. Uh, but it was, a, it was a winter program and a summer program. So mm-hmm. it was one of the few places that had summer employment in Summit County back then. Dang. That's awesome. Uh, but we had people from all over the country. It was really... Um, That's cool. An interesting gathering. And from, from sixth grade up through... We did freshman orientation for Texas A&M. Wow. And, uh, well, I mean, they, they selected to come here, right. but there, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just one group. <laughs> yeah, but still, that's awesome. It's awesome. But it was, uh, it so was after that, you, is that when you started the gallery? Well, from, from there, then I was the assistant manager oh, and then right. manager at ski, at ski Tip. How many years was that? Uh, 81, 82. And okay. then the fall of 82, Marty Hibbard and I started the Hibbard McGrath gallery. My oh, main right. name was McGrath. Back and in the day. <laughs> back in the day. So there was a cabin that had been on ski tip property. Well, they thought it was ski tip property. It had been the cross country cabin. It had been yeah. a harness shed. Mm-hmm. And then it was a cabin. And then it, that's where the cross country for Keystone was out of. And my sister had been one of the teachers. But um, when the county built Montezuma Road, Well, surveys, you know, just weren't the same back then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, where people had been driving was on Forest Service land. Oh. And so the road was actually on Forest Service land. So there was a narrow strip of uh, Forest Service land uh, that eventually, you know, through their... Eventually, it got traded to Keystone. Mm-hmm. And the county was able to keep the road where it was mm-hmm. uh, but in that but the cabin was on Forest Service property at that point the people in Washington DC felt like there should be no cabins on Forest Service land mm-hmm. where vagrants could take right. up residence yeah so yeah. Jim Brown moved to the cabin and built it in with a dog leg and another cabin and then he went to sail around the world and Rolf Durkham offered it to Marty and I if we finished it out, okay. which meant we put in stairs, electricity, ceiling, all that, uh, wood stoves, doors. <laughs> but I'd done, I'd done work on the cabins at, yeah. at the science school. Yeah, nice. And we could use it as a gallery. Love it. So the, the best thing was uh, if anybody could find it, you usually had a sale because they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> People could find it. Sad. The first year we were open, the smallest amount of snowfall on opening night was six inches. Oh, no. So we, we did not have a real, you know, I mean, it was, uh, we had done some wearable art shows with mm-hmm. weavers that we knew, and that was the beginning of, of the gallery. When, how long was that? Oh, like, is it still there? At ski tent? No, no. There, there, there are uh, condos there now. Oh, it sad. was there when Keystone bought it. Okay. But um, it did not uh, 
let's say they didn't have the expertise to move it when they tried to move it and it fell yeah. apart. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately it no longer exists except in old yeah. pictures. Yeah. Real memory. But having a, a, a contemporary craft gallery in a log cabin was certainly yeah. an, an experience because there were no uh, smooth walls to hang anything on. <laughs> so the good fun. thing we showed a lot of ceramics. Yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, we were there. We opened in 80, September of 82. Okay. And then... Um, and then you moved to Brack. In 85, Jim Malouk, who had Alpine Camera back then, mm-hmm. uh, they were building that big... Uh, well, let's see. The Norway house moved over there, which is now Patagonia. Uh, the real estate office. Jim Malouk had a big camera shop and did you know, in-house stereo and cameras okay. and stuff. Okay. And he had a little, uh, I think it's like uh, Mountain Cookies now. Oh, okay. But next door to the Breckenridge Gallery. Oh. It had been a judge's assay office in the mining days. Okay. So it wasn't very big, but he he wanted to move into his new space. And so he gave us a deal on, um, he had a year and a half left on his lease. Okay. So in 85, we said, well, let's try Breckenridge and, you know, we need more yeah. people. So for a while, we had both both galleries. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, and Breckenridge worked out well. And then at, uh, in uh, a year and a half later, uh, they wanted to double the rent oh, when his lease was up. And so we, uh, Karen Contino was down on the Ski Hill Road, Lincoln... Mm-hmm. Uh, the main street mm-hmm. uh, building there, pink with big windows. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we uh, that became a- available, and the Breckenridge Goldsmith Gallery had been mm-hmm. next door to us up the street, and so they took part of it, and we took part of it, and so that's how we, we ended up down there on the on the corner. Nice, okay. Uh, the fishbowl. Oh, the fishbowl. <laughs> and, then, and then the Breckenridge Gallery... Uh, uh, Stuart and Terry moved to Denver, and we took over their space too. So we had both corners there, know. which was was very very visible. Yeah, one hundred percent. And so that was, and we were we were unusual. <laughs> weird. weird. <laughs> yeah, some people called it weird too, but <laughs> but we were much more appreciated outside the county than, yeah, I'm sure. than inside. We for ten years we did a show in Chicago called. Uh, sculpture objects and functional art which okay. was a hundred galleries from around the world that oh, showed wow. contemporary uh, crafts that's awesome and uh, we were lucky to be curated in and invited back for 10 years until Marty's health just we couldn't do it anymore yeah um, and you know fi- we were known for contemporary fiber and uh, so I think some of the most fun was sitting there in Breckenridge on the corner and being interviewed by phone with an Australian fiber magazine and yeah. uh, and the British Fiber Arts. And Fiber Arts was a magazine then that was in uh, uh, in Loveland, Colorado. Oh, man. And so we, we got to know them, and they knew the gallery. And, um, That's awesome. And the textile department in uh, at the Denver Art Museum. Mm. Imelda, I can't think of her last name right now. And but, then you um, knew everyone else's, so well, we were unusual. Amazing. So, so people people knew us. It yeah. was just, you know, Marty had a 
uh, a ceramics background and I had a weaving background and we, um, uh, you know, we, we could recognize when it was really good, unique work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, awesome. I knew enough to understand it, but not do it. <laughs> Which is great. Which was great. So, what, so it was fun. What year did you marry Bob? Uh, 1999. So much later. <laughs> oh, yeah. As, as he said, it was an 18-year courtship. <laughs> so people say, well, you know, there are just other things to do. Oh, my God. You know, he was traveling and climbing, and I had the Doing gallery, and you do different things. Mm-hmm. And um, Where'd you guys get married? Well, um, Phyllis Martinez mm-hmm. had worked for Bob at the Keystone Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we'd known Phyllis and, and Gary Martinez mm-hmm. for a long time uh, and um, uh, Phyllis was in a, a book club mm-hmm. that uh, Marty and I started in 1982 so um, uh, Bob actually asked me at the kitchen table <laughs> romantic we love that <laughs> I know people said are you going to leave the table I said well I don't think I can <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah. uh, so he asked Same me on a Sunday. Table you have right now. Yes. Yes, love it. Okay, go on. Um, uh, so he asked me on a Sunday, and he wanted to get married the next Saturday. <laughs> and yeah. he, and so we got married in Gary and Phyllis's garden in Breckenridge. David Beautiful. Lass was a judge at the point, and you know fax machines were big then, so our our. Uh, our vows went back and forth uh, on by fax machine, uh-uh. and uh, Meg got Meg last did my flowers, and uh, uh, when uh, my mother came up from Denver, so it was so it was close by because well yeah because my sister lived in Alaska and we had just been traveling and so. You know when Bob One said, "Notice." Well, yeah, and my brother was so it so it was very small, and that was fine. Um, that was fun. So it was, and then oh, we went Bob. to Pierre's for. Uh, oh, Pierre's. Yeah, for for that wedding was open for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. They're closed now, I think. Right. Well, I think Eric remodeled it into their home up there on top oh, i'm not right. sure I yeah i mean they had it as another thing for another restaurant for a while but oh my gosh. pierre and kathy were there and um so it was yeah a great afternoon lunch and yeah oh um, my gosh that's awesome and and marty joined us there from Yay. the gallery so oh it was gosh. so it was very very small but <laughs> very fast <laughs> <laughs> Sounds exactly like Bob, truly. So yeah. Oh, I've thought about this for eighteen years, and well, let's just do it today. <laughs> so well, it was like we, um, at the, at the same table later on. Mm-hmm. Well, it was two thousand two. Uh, at breakfast, Bob said, "Well, let's. Uh, I think we'll go to drive to Alaska." And um, casual. Just casual. Yeah, my sister lived in Fairbanks. Um, and he, uh, well, anyway, he had, he had planned on going in two weeks mm-hmm. and I said, well, wait a minute, we have, I've, I've some things to take care of. 
<laughs> but we pulled it all together. I and... would have killed him if I... <laughs> That's the chaotic energy. <laughs> well, the... The thing is, you know, in cars and airplanes and the vibration, I think it just puts me to sleep if I'm not driving. So you're like... And so my first question was, why would you want to drive to Alaska with someone who falls asleep in the car? And he said, well, I think you answered your own question. <laughs> he loved to drive. Well, that's good. And he drove 90% of the way. Love that. It's great. <laughs> so we had, we had a great time. <laughs> oh we my took his, his Audi station wagon, which our friend Hank Parker, who... Um, He's a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. uh, did some great cartoons with a, a big mosquito flying away with the car, or <laughs> driving through moose's legs like the sequoias in yeah. in California. <laughs> God, that's awesome. So it was that's great. Yeah. So it was like you know he he'd obviously been thinking about it, but yeah. he just oh we'll go tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> oh. So, done. So I guess I was just an easy target. Is okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we're wrapping up in a minute, but is there any other fun stories or fun things off the top of your head that you can think of to let the people know? Let the people know? The people. Well, I mean, you know, so many great it's, stories. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a great life up here, and we, you know, you just have the opportunity to. Uh, to meet so many people and certainly I did not expect to meet someone like Bob or mm-hmm. being here in the mountains and his circle of friends and acquaintances um, I was very lucky to to get to know too. Yeah. Bob and Nancy Maynard were here at the the time that I moved here mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and they became good friends over the years. That's wonderful. But uh, And friends over in Vail and Aspen and is there anything, if you could go back 20, 30 years, that you would change at all? Or you you wish you could give advice to yourself, you know, like... Oh, advice to myself? Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Be more, be more organized and financially <laughs> uh, inquisitive. <Yeah. laughs> oh, man. That's terrible advice, Terry. That's where I'm at right now. Well, it doesn't get any better. Oh, okay, great. Something to look forward to. Well, it's, you know, it's like when you got here and just saw the aspens in the backyard are now in their autumn glory and um, the changing seasons uh, are are just, uh, are very special. It's a very, Mm -hmm. um, when I moved here, I, I, if you ever take it for granted, you have to leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and just just to be here and and I think the biggest surprise was um, because I'm I'm pretty much an, an introvert um, the the other people who are here and their curiosity and humor and love of life uh, being you know skiing and being outdoors and hiking and uh, you know, I think we all, in our own way, try to make the best life here in Summit County mm-hmm. for us and for for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's really special. And at first, you don't always recognize that. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, it's been a good. Uh, 
you know, it was a small enough place that you could be involved in the the planning commissions and open space and you knew the county commissioners and uh, that's a very special part. I mean, I think when I moved here in that spring of 79, there wasn't a lot to do up here. Mm -hmm. uh, you could go to a movie sometimes in, in Breckenridge, uh, but um, every ski bum I knew was at the spring musical at the high school. Wow. Uh, of course, Wendy Moore was the principal and in charge of, of the, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was a real professional presentation, but how, you know, I, I doubt there are very many ski, er, ski bums who go to the, the yeah. musical or even know where the high school is right, right now. Exactly. But it was just uh, a good mingling of, of ages mm -hmm. and stations of life and uh, wanting the best for everybody. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, Which thanks, is special. Thanks, Terry, for meeting with me today. Well, I hope I didn't blabber on so far. <laughs> that was great. And tune in next week for more Blame on the Altitude. Okay, bye!